Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double N. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 491 of the podcast and it is Friday the 29th of May 2020 and it's actually really hot here today (laughs) as I record this on day 67 of lockdown here in the UK. Now it's difficult to know whether it's called lockdown anymore because we have now been told we can meet in groups of six people outside and non-essential shops will be open on the 15th of June and so I will be one of the first in the queue for the bookshops on the day when they open if they do open if things continue to go in the right direction but so I I think that's going to be my last day of lockdown so if we can go shopping in a bookstore (laughs) then it's over although of course my day-to-day life is is still going to be pretty similar anyway I hope you and your family and friends and and everyone are, are doing well as it's kind of strange to be coming out of this like the whole world is sort of taking step by steps out of this and that almost feels just as weird as when we all went into it you know we all got used to the new normal and now it's uh, starting to change so I'm expecting more upheaval in the next few months when we'd kind of settled into something and now there'll be more upheaval so yeah let's let's be prepared for that <laughs> stay strong keep creating <laughs> anyway today I'm talking about how to take your author career to the next level with Mark Dawson now Mark is a friend of mine and he is incredibly good at what he does incredibly good writer and also incredibly good and focused marketer and I always learn a lot from Mark so I ask uh, I start by asking tips for just starting out just to get that out the way (laughs) so if you are just starting out there is a question for you but then we get into what I really wanted to ask about which was the craft aspect and also marketing tips for the more established writer yes me I'm basically asking questions I want and you get to listen in we talk about how to use your email list in a more effective way this is some really good tips there plus we talk about pricing free first in series and why it's so hard to calculate read through when you're wide and also marketing wide ebooks uh, when sometimes it can feel like an uphill struggle when you're trying to market against KU authors and uh, I really changed my perspective as part of this so I'm I'm pretty happy with uh, this chat today I hope you find it useful In publishing news, The Guardian reports good news from New Zealand. Bookshops are experiencing an extraordinary boom as Kiwis commit to buying local to resuscitate the economy following seven weeks of lockdown. Booksellers around the country say they're experiencing Christmas levels of demand post-lockdown. So that's good news. And I certainly, I mean, I've been buying books the whole way through. I've bought some from local booksellers. I've been buying a lot from Amazon as usual. And I just get, we just get deliveries every day with more books. It's hilarious. But I'm still looking forward to going uh, to the bookstore. Many of you have emailed, because I mentioned this last week, how will physical bookstores manage? There have been suggestions in our media that perhaps they will quarantine books. So if you pick one up and touch it and you have to put it down on a trolley and they'll keep those separate. And thanks to Julia Sterling, who emailed, she said, I'm German and have been to a bookstore last week. I was wondering the same thing about picking them up and putting them back down. Actually, it was okay. The bookseller selected the books. Uh, She was looking for something for children, put them on a table. She encouraged me 
to look through them, needed to look at the pictures. We both kept our distance and both wore masks and no gloves. No hand sanitizer was involved because, yeah, I was concerned about that last week. Like if we're all using hand sanitizer in a bookstore, all those books are just going to get wet and yuck. So um, interesting. It's going to be an interesting experience for sure. Then in one of the biggest media news stories this week, I was like, whoa, this is huge. Uh, You may not have heard about it because it's huge in some circles, obviously. Uh, But the podcaster Joe Rogan signed an exclusive deal with Spotify, rumoured to be around $100 million for a multi-year deal. So from September 2020, his show, which is possibly the most popular podcast in the world with 190 million downloads per month, will only be on Spotify. It will be housed there exclusively by the end of the year and removed from all other platforms. This is fascinating to me. And there are lots of people saying, how can they possibly pay him this much? They're not paying musicians this much. But... I think this is a data play. So Rogan has very long form content. I mean, you think my episodes are long at sort of 45 minutes to an hour, 15-ish. But Rogan's shows are often two hours, three hours long. He's very long form. And I see this as they're basically getting the entire backlist of data. And they can use that to dig into what people like listening to and then look at other ways to create or link more content. And if you know a bit about how SEO, search engine optimization works, and they have an incredibly good and ever improving algorithm around discovery, I think this is fascinating. And if you just consider the number of words, okay, so songs obviously have melodies, which is another level of discovery. But If you think about the amount of data in a three-hour audio interview, you can understand why this is such a big deal in terms of discovery. This is very interesting to me because at Frankfurt Audio Summit last year, Frankfurt Book Fair being the biggest in the world, and they had an audio half-day conference, which I went to, and Spotify did the, the, the opening keynote. And I was so impressed with them. And since, I mean, particularly in lockdown, actually, I've moved a lot more to listening on Spotify. As I said a, a while back, I've, I've moved to listening to movie soundtracks on Spotify, and they, they recommend more kind of writing music, which is fantastic. And the podcasts are on Spotify. Maybe you're even listening to this on Spotify right now. And Books and Travel is also on Spotify. And I was so impressed with that. I went to listen to a books and travel, you know, I always check my episodes have gone up onto the big players. And I checked on Spotify that the latest books and travel episode had gone up, uh, which incidentally is called A Time of Birds. And it's about cycling across Europe to Istanbul and uh, with Helen Moat and really great interview. But I went to check it, you know, clicked into it, listened to, you know, a couple of minutes and then Spotify recommended a whole load of very cool travel podcasts that I hadn't uh, realised existed and that kind of dropped me into uh, a new way of of looking for podcasts which actually I haven't done before on Spotify. So this is so fascinating to me. Their algorithms are streets ahead as far as I can see in terms of discoverability and in fact my husband has just moved from Apple Music to Spotify as well because of the discoverability. So I'm really, this Joe Rogan play could be the first move in what is quite an aggressive move into podcasting and I'm going to investigate audiobooks on Spotify because they do have some audiobooks but I would love, love to get more on there. 
So this might be the tipping point for me in terms of turning some of my audiobooks into podcasts in order to get them into Spotify as a marketing play. Obviously not for a revenue play, but for marketing. So very, very interesting uh, times there. And uh, I will keep you up to date on what happens with that. In personal news, I've been catching up on my admin and also doing the backlist for books and travel. I'm changing up the uh, intro and outro. I've also been populating my new fiction YouTube channel. So if you uh, like YouTube, you can go to jfpen.com forward slash YouTube and you'll find I've been doing episodes of books and travel, but also some of my own videos that go behind my books. I've also been working more on my JFPen author brand and business plan reboot. And I added a video to the content marketing for fiction course on my pandemic pivot which is fascinating I have also created a new story template like uh, I've mentioned and a few of you have emailed me thank you uh, about shifting to a new creative process and I talk about this with Mark but uh, it's not a few of you have sent me things around story structure it's not really story structure that I have an issue with around plotting I'm pretty good on story structure but at this point it's more that I want to look at positioning market positioning in advance so really think about okay where does this fit in the market what are the comparison covers comparison authors what will my audience like about this why will my audience enjoy this idea I have so many ideas for so many books and I really need a better way of figuring out which to right and then once I've got the idea it is figuring out more characters character arcs the promise of the book I have I always have a few plot points it's not really the plot that's the issue so much as this positioning so I will be talking more about this when I get this together and release it as your author business plan (laughs) it's coming but I'm fascinated by rethinking my own creative process because of you know this is this is one of the gifts of the pandemic for me and maybe it's time to start thinking about the gifts of the pandemic obviously it's been terrible in many many ways and many people have lost their lives and you know my cousin is still is recovering he's out of hospital now actually I can't remember whether I talked about it but you know he was on a ventilator for five weeks and it's a long long recovery so but so I guess what I'm saying is there have been some really bad things happen but equally we can all take something out of the pandemic and for me it's the ability to change up my creative process which I thought was much more stuck than it actually was so uh, episode 484 with Mark McGuinness I talked about how stuck I was in those first few weeks of lockdown how I was paralyzed with this uncertainty many of us were it's possible that that's going to come around again (laughs) as we move out of lockdown but Mark helped me rethink it and now I believe I can redesign anything I I very much just feel uh, invigorated I think is probably the word and confident that I can change my process to be much more strategic and also to make marketing much easier for fiction because I think about it in advance as opposed to at the end. I've also been getting into the weeds of advertising, particularly BookBub ads and Facebook ads, which I think are much more accessible for wide authors in fiction. Uh, I use Amazon ads in my nonfiction all the time and they're fine but for fiction it is interesting although I'm looking forward to the webinar which will come up later also really thinking about my JFPen brand per series so yeah I will share more of that as I get organized 
coming up this week, if you're interested in watching real time, I have a book bub on Map of Shadows this week on June the 4th, 2020. And basically, I'm be following the ad stacking methodology, which is pretty well known in the indie author community now, which is get a tent pole promotion like a book bub deal and then stack other ads around that. And I that's how I hit the USA Today list in 2016 as a single author. That's also how we hit the New York Times and the USA Today list back in 2014 as a multi-author box set. When that was still possible, it's not possible anymore. They changed the rules. You can still hit the USA Today, so you never know. I'm not aiming for that next week. It's you know not something is necessary, but I am obviously looking to uh, get the book out into as many hands as possible. So essentially, I've been waiting until I had book three, Map of the Impossible, on pre-order, which it is. It's at pre-order at full price. Book two is also full price and book one is at 99 cents and 99p. So if you'd like to try Map of Shadows, now's a good time. Uh, Go check that out. It's the first time I have discounted it and it's been on release for a couple of years. I haven't done much marketing at all for this trilogy because, you know, this really is a true trilogy and I didn't feel I could market it until I had all three books there. So the aim is to get sell through and also pre-orders. So just to let you know, in case you're interested, I have the book bub on 4th June, also a Kindle Daily deal on Kindle Nation Daily. And I'm running already, I'm running Facebook ads, book bub ads right now and have emailed my list the first time. I've got e-reader news today. I've got books butterfly, fussy librarian, bargain boxy, book barbarian and Robin reads also for the whole week. So I've pretty much stacked all these different ads around the bookbub in order to try and get as many downloads and as much visibility as possible in the week. So yeah, you can keep an eye on that. I might do a video on the or a blog post or something on how that works out. Uh, but it's uh, usually it's well worth doing. You normally end up with, you know, at least um, making some money. I mean, obviously, you have to spend some money to get all of those different promotions. But uh, this has worked well for me in the past. So it just doesn't work well on a one book on one book, by the way, you have to have a series. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that is coming up. So thanks for all your emails and tweets and comments this week. Will's interview last week was one of the most popular and commented on in ages. So I'm really glad it resonated with so many of you and glad you're interested in these craft interviews because I'm doing quite a lot of them. (laughs) I'm going to kind of intersperse them every couple of weeks over time. But uh, Kathy said, really enjoyed this podcast. Will didn't waffle on like some do, (laughs) which I thought was brilliant. Uh, He was fantastic. Christopher Hopper says, this interview on crafting character flaws that drive plot is worth every second Melanie says quiet morning on the deck and she sent a lovely picture listening to Will store perfect timing for his tips on character flaws without being cliche as I'm working on my second draft a light bulb moment for sure and Rachel said Rachel Reese says this was such a great episode love discussions on craft so much and finally Vanessa said thank you so much for your interview with Will I've been struggling to tie my heroine's flaw to both the thriller and romance plots of my current book something about your conversation with Will got through to me in a way that other myriad character development books failed to do in particular hearing him talk about Jaws triggered a major aha moment for me me too Vanessa that example 
example of joy. I also went and explained it to my husband. He was like, oh, that's what that is. I'm like, yes, why didn't I get that before? So yeah, sometimes it, we have to hear the same thing over and over again before it really sinks in. So uh, glad you all enjoyed the interview. So today's show is sponsored by draft digital and I'll play a word from the lovely Kevin Tomlinson in a minute. Good news from draft digital this week as they have just announced distribution with Vivlio, a company owned by large French booksellers and publishers. The this company has the company's partners include the largest French independent cut publisher and one of the biggest retail chains in the region. They also have more than 90 retail stores in France, no, like 600, 700 stores across France, Belgium and Switzerland. So this is really interesting and great news and great timing because France is one of those countries that has been slow to pick up ebooks and digital audio, but the pandemic has accelerated uptake. So this is an exciting time to be expanding into more European stores. And uh, if you're considering translation, we'll certainly be moving more into a good time for that coming up. So this type of corporate sponsorship pays for the hosting, transcription and editing. But my time in creating the show is sponsored by my wonderful patrons. Thanks to everyone supporting the show on Patreon, particularly in these weird and difficult times. I appreciate it more than ever. Thanks to all existing patrons and those of you who have upped your pledge as well. Fantastic. And those who continue support, even though times are hard. I really appreciate it. Thanks to new patrons, Jim Flynn 6, Ariel Sealing, Chelsea Davis, Tiffany Olsen, Bethany Pratt, Sarah Johnson and Vicky Tate. I really do appreciate your support on Patreon. It demonstrates you find the show useful and want it to continue. You can support the show for just a couple of dollars a month uh, or a couple of coffees a month if you're feeling generous and you get the extra Q&A audio which I do every month. So sign up at patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash the creative pen. So here's a word from Kevin from Drafts of Digital and then we'll get into the interview. Hey, this is Kevin Thompson from draft to digital So we love helping authors build and grow their author careers. That's why we started our monthly free webinar series, draft to digital Ask Us Anything. Each month, three DDD experts answer your questions live and offer what we know about the indie author business. And don't worry if you can't make it at the time. We record each webinar and make it live via YouTube and Facebook, as well as on our blog. And as an added perk, each month we open up the lines for authors to schedule a free one-on-one author consultation with someone on our team. Slots are limited, so this is only open to the live attendees, but we'll do our best to chat with you and answer your burning questions, so tune in. RSVP for the next Ask Us Anything when you go to drafttodigital.com slash live. That's draft2digital.com slash live. Mark Dawson is the award-winning, internationally best-selling author of the John Milton Thriller series with over a million books sold, as well as many other books. He runs training courses for authors at Self-Publishing Formula, and he's also the co-host of The Self-Publishing Show. Welcome back, Mark. Hello, Joe. Good to be back. Was this the fourth time? Oh, I don't even know. You're just a, a regular. So uh, <laughs> that was actually my first question. Let's assume it was, it's was. it been a year. What is new with you? I mean, obviously, we did a, a live show. And I, I also wondered any com- comment on the impact of uh, the coronavirus pandemic. God, we could we could do an hour talking about what's new, basically. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the virus has been challenging for me, as it has for everybody, really. And 
but then at the same time, I haven't been able to write quite as much because I've got two little kids um, and for at least for the last two months, and, and it's been a bit different this week, for the last couple of months I've been homeschooling with my wife. So that has meant that I've been getting up at about five most days and writing or working really for a couple of hours until seven or 7.30 and then that's been that because I've had to go into full-time dad mode after that. So it certainly slowed down my production. But on the other hand, well, fortunately, I, I had a couple of books that were ready, already written and ready to go. So I was able to launch those. But be, beyond that, um, backlist sales have been really strong. And I've commented on, on, on the self-publishing show about why that is, chiefly because ad costs are down because most of the big budgets aren't in the field right now. There's, there's, there's not much point in stores advertising when the stores are closed. And married to that is the fact that readers really want to read. So there's a lot of demand and it's easy to reach them. So my sales are probably up, I don't know, 30, 40% up, I think. So it's been a really strong couple of months, which is great. It's certainly taken that, you know, if, if there is a silver lining and all this nonsense, that, that has been it. Mm. So quite pleased with that. But then, you know, beyond that, tons and tons of stuff going on. Uh, we won't be able to touch on all of it. But, you know, we had the live show. So we just kind of snuck the live show in the week before lockdown, which was that was interesting. And we had you, you were kind enough to come and speak there. And I don't know if I told you this. We did a survey after the event and we asked people which which session they enjoyed the most. And you won by a country mile. So you, oh, I'm you thrilled. Can't, <laughs> you can't come again. <laughs> Oh, so, that, that is lovely. I'm really pleased about that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that, that was great. It was, I mean, it was as an introduction to live event planning. That was, I don't think it could have been more bumpy because mm. uh, we didn't know almost until the day whether we'd be able to do it. But we did. And as far as we know, no one um, was ill. None of the people who came have reported that they were ill. So that, that was obviously that was great. And we are we are going to do it again, although we don't know exactly when. It will be sometime next year, probably not uh, with the book fair next year. I'm not convinced the book fair will happen anyway next year. So we'll do it sometime probably in the summer. Amazon is involved again. They, they want to uh, be involved. We'll probably do it for a couple of days rather than a day. So more on that as we as we figure it out. But we, we enjoyed it. So we're going to do it. We're going to do it another time. Oh, good. I'm glad. And I know it's really expanding the business. Live events are like so much harder. But I also, it's so funny at the beginning of the whole lockdown thing, I was like, oh, yeah, I think everything could go online. It's fine. And now I'm like, seriously, I am over this. I really <laughs> want to get back to live events. <laughs> so I think I think there will be a hunger for it when uh, things um, open up. But I want to I want to get into loads of topics. We don't, as ever, we don't have enough time to pick your brains. But um, I want to start with a question and we're going to get into more advanced stuff so if you're listening we're going to cover advanced stuff in a minute but I just want to ask one of the most common questions I still get which is what should a new author do if they are just starting out and of course you and I started like over a decade ago uh, so it's very hard to answer this but what are your thoughts as we record this in mid 2020 in terms of of publishing strategy? So there's some basic things uh, that you have to get right these days. So when I started, it was possible, and I proved this because it's exactly what I did, uh, to have, you know, fairly shonky covers um, on your books and get those up there. And and then you would still sell because, you know, you were able to undercut the uh, competition when it came to price and, and things like that. And, and there, were much, there was much less competition in the Kindle store and on all the other stores as well when we started. That's definitely not the case now. You, you have to, I think one of the, the kind of the main things things I would suggest is that anyone who 
wants to do this in, in a way that's more than just a hobby or or, in, or even if you just want to reach more readers and and of course that, that should be what we're all aiming for is to get our books in front of readers you, you need to be able to to hook them with a very professional product so you do need a pro cover now that doesn't mean you have to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a cover but it does need to look professional uh, your blurb has to be tight you can't have typos you need a few reviews and and the book itself you know it needs to be well formatted and unfortunately there, there it's a lot easier to do most of those things these days than it was when we started with things like vellum making it easy to format but you kind of have to do that i think that's a that's a minimum requirement and then once you have your your book your product ready to sell uh, every time we speak, I, I move more towards the uh, position that advertising now is not really a luxury. I think it is now a necessity. You you have to be able to do at least some advertising. Uh, and that could be on Amazon. It could be on Facebook. It could be on BookBub or, or the other um, avenues that are, are increasingly available. But you have to do something in order to give your, your book the chance to rise above all the other books that it's competing with. I think it's something like 8 million books on the US Kindle store now. So most of those books are just kind of floating around, but you need to be able to do something to uh, get your book uh, visible to people who are looking for that kind of book. And um, although you have to pay for that because it's not free to advertise, it doesn't have to be terribly expensive and it's the options available are, um, are multiplying and becoming easier all the time. Mm, I agree with that. And and it's funny because actually what you've just talked about are, is a checklist for people who are not just starting out as well. <laughs> so in fact, if you are someone who is feeling like you're not selling enough books, then what you've talked about there, I mean, maybe it's redoing covers, maybe it's redoing blurbs. And then as you say, advertising is a necessity. And I've certainly, you know, resented this over the years, but I am fully on board with this now. I, th I, I see this to be true. And we're going to come back to advertising in a minute. But I want to now jump into what I want wanted to talk about, which is my own brand uh, as JF Penn. And I know a lot of listeners have a backlist. So I have about 17 novels now and novels and novellas across a number of different series. And I want to ask you about craft first, because someone said to me actually the other day, oh, Mark Dawson, oh, he's a good marketer, like a hmm. great, a great marketer. And I said, yeah, but do you know how many books Mark has and how good his books are? Uh, so that's why I wanted to ask you about craft, because I think sometimes people forget that you write first. Just tell us how many books you have out right now. Oh, God, I don't know. Um, it's certainly <laughs> north of 30. I don't know. I've kind of lost it. Maybe more than 40 now. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's it's, it's an interesting comment. I mean, the thing is, you can I can teach you to sell anything once. I can teach you how to sell a, a book to an author, to a reader the first time. But from that point, once they've once they've got it on their device and you've been paid for it, it is then down to you as as a, as a writer you have to be able to give them the experience that you've, you've promised them um, in your ad or, or your blurb or whatever it is. And if you can't write and your book isn't any good, it doesn't matter how good your advertising is, that reader will never buy another book by you again. So, you know, they, it's very important to be able to write. And I don't like, I'm not going to big myself up. I, I am a quite good writer, I think. And I see that from uh, emails from readers, in fact, all the time, actually, at the moment, with people just, in, just seeing me for the first time in lockdown, saying that they've read all 16 books in the Milton series over three or four weeks mm. and that you can't really get that's that's great praise because there's lots of you know there's the child there's Baldacci there's all the other authors that, that are competing with me for those readers rather than getting the new Lee Child book they've gone straight on to the next Milton book and then the next one and then all the 12 after that so 
yeah, that, that's that's very important. You do need to, you need to be a, a decent marketer, and I think I'm okay at that. But you you also need to be a, a good writer because otherwise the marketing just goes to waste. Exactly. So on that, I wondered if you could talk about your writing process at this point, because basically at the moment I just write whatever my muse decides I'm going to write next. I'm pretty emotional about my writing, but what you have done over the last uh, sort of four or five years, particularly, is focus down into a certain niche and so I wonder do you outline and plot and write to market and try and please those readers or do you follow the muse or how do you balance those yeah there's two questions there, I think so the first one is do do I write to market I don't really I I've tried that once uh, way back after I was traditionally published. My third book was was very much written to market and it was the only time I hated writing. I really struggled to finish it and it was terrible because of it. And so the way I look at writing to market, I think I probably said this before, is it's I think of a Venn diagram with on the one hand a circle that what the what the readers want and on the other hand another circle what you what you enjoy and the intersection between those circles that's your sweet spot so that's where you should be uh well certainly for as, as far as i'm concerned that's where i concentrate because i know that i enjoy writing books like the milton books and i know that readers enjoy reading them so that, that's that's my definition of writing to market and that's what i do uh, but then once once i'm in that and i've been i've been in that that uh, sweet spot for ages now when it comes to actually writing another book I usually, my process these days is usually um, to start with a very, very loose outline. And that will begin with, I have an idea, it could be I'm out walking the dog and something will pop into my head, or it might be something like the Atticus books that we'll get onto that I have been kind of fiddling away with for two or three years. I will just kind of cogitate on that and think about it for a while. And then I will start with maybe two or three paragraphs um, setting out what the story might be in very, very broad terms. Um, so I'm doing this right now for a, a, a new standalone book that's going to be set around the Chernobyl disaster in 86. So I, I have an idea for kind of what I might do with regards to that, going in a different direction from what we believe to have been the case. And then once I have that, and I'll, I'll, I'll work on it quite hard, I'll tweak it, I'll kind of get that get it into a state where I'd be actually happy to send it to a publisher. Once I have that, I'll then um, start to break the uh, break the chapters down with one or two sentences just explaining what I want to happen in those chapters. It's not prescriptive uh, and things will change. They always change, often quite radically once I start writing. But I just want to kind of plot out the the, the beginning, the, the waypoints I want to hit along the, uh, along the story. And then usually I'll have an idea what the ending is. And then once I have that, and it, by the by the time I've finished it, the one I've just done is about three or four pages long. I'll then open up Scrivener. I will look at the the, the chapters. I'll, I'll kind of set out by way of parts and then chapters. I'll slot those one sentence or two sentence beats in. And then I'll usually pick something. It doesn't necessarily have to be at the start of the book. It could be some dialogue in the middle. And then I'll just start to write. And, and then we see where we go. But that's, you know, that's that kind of structure. Fairly, fairly loose, but with some some indications as to where I want it to go that that's been the way I've written for the last probably the last five years or so mm. are you using dictation at all yeah now and again um I I do if I'm doing kind of a first draft I will sometimes dictate and I mean I'm, I have a standing desk where I am at the moment and I will just open dragon and and start to go and and I, I do find 
that's a pretty good way to get a lot of content down early on. So I, I can, you know, I, I aim for two to 3,000 words a day, but with dictation, I can do two to, two to 3,000 words in an hour. So, you know, three or four hours, you suddenly got 10,000 words. Now, they might not be great words, as you know, Morecambe and Wise once said, that, you know, they're, they're words, so they may not be in the right order. Yeah. Um, so you'll kind of juggle that around for a little bit. And then, but it's a really good way just to kind of dump the, dump the first draft down, and then you can work on it on a, on a keyboard mm. after you've got that down. Mm. Yeah, that's great. And you mentioned the new series, uh, new crime series, Atticus Priest. So these are this is a new series, new cover, new genre. I mean, it very mm-hmm. is clearly a crime and it's a detective, British detective, you know, police procedural, I, I guess. Yeah. Um, so why why switch genres at this point? Because I've certainly find, found that people who like the types of thrillers that you write and to a point I write differently to you, obviously, but I struggle to get people over to a crime series. People, you know, love their genres. So what are your, why switch genres and what are your tips for launching into a new subgenre? I think for me, um, there's lots of reasons why I wanted to do that. The, I mean, the in, in terms of switching genres, it's a kind of a half step to one side there's quite a lot of overlap between the milton books and the atticus books the difference is well it's all about problem solving so milton is kind of like a detective but the way that he solves his problems is slightly more uncompromising than the way that atticus does it atticus is more cerebral he's more he's more sherlock holmes whereas milton is you know he he's i suppose more jack reacher but there is that there are problems to be solved and 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 that kind of stuff in in both of of the books so i knew that they would be a bit a fairly decent crossover in my audience and that has proven to be the case so atticus has launched really successfully why did i want to do it it was there's a couple of reasons i suppose first of all I mean, the first one is just as a as a creative person i wanted to do something to keep me fresh i've done you know 16 milton books now and i and although i still love doing them it's quite nice to cleanse my palate and do something a little bit different in terms of tone and structure and pace which Atticus allows me to do I'd had the idea for Atticus for about four years ago and it it had been something that had been bugging me for ages and I put it off and put it off and in the end I decided that I was going to do it and and the reason I did decide is kind of the the other reason why this has been on my mind that I wanted to do it is because I've seen the success of you know friends like uh, Louise Ross, L. J. Ross is just a phenomena when it comes to the success of her her Ryan books, and then also writers like um, Barry Hutchison writing is J. D. Kirk has has done incredibly well with the first five of his Scottish police procedural books as well. So it's a really especially in the in the UK it's a very very hungry and lucrative market. These it's a very hot genre right now, and it just felt like the right time for me to to. Um, dip my toe in there and see see how that went for me as well mm. no interesting and it will I've, you've only got one out right now is that correct correct yes yeah so it'll be interesting how it goes over time and whether you get a completely different group of people than than your other books than the milton books so uh, interesting i mean completely completely different really and i love that the covers are so different i urge people to go and have a look at your profile because that's another thing isn't it is to really show people that this is a different series with the cover so they can make their own decision yeah it hits all the tropes so i mean what i i I am not a creative person in in that sense but i you know i use stuart beige has been my designer for 
ever basically now and um, and i said to Stu, look i'm doing something different he and he doesn't need instruction he's he's so good he just goes away looks at what is selling uh, looks at you know the successful books that are selling in that genre and then creates something that hits all those marks so I, i've never been i've never been of the school that would suggest that you need to stand out with an original cover because that it can work but i think those are fairly unusual to to get successful covers that go outside of the tropes i'm very happy for the cover to tell the reader without them having to think too much what exactly what it is they're going to get and it just makes it easier to move that mouse across to the buy button Mm, absolutely right let's get into marketing um, because I, I want to talk to you about the email list and I think what we've discovered in under sort of the pandemic is how important the email list is for everything from launching but also making money if you sell direct so I've certainly found this to be true and I was interested so I've been using a novella for years now Day of the Vikings and that's my free you know email sign up you have been using a starter pack or a starter library for years as well mm -hmm. but when I, I went back to check on what you're currently doing and I couldn't find the language on the sign up page that kind of implied which books it was so I signed up again sorry about that and then <laughs> I found it was A Thousand Yards and Tarantula which are both Milton novellas so I wondered do you change up do you use the language starter pack or starter library so that you can change up the books you give away and are you going to start using parts of other series yeah that's that's i had never thought about it like that so i'm not that machiavellian that's just, <laughs> that's just, just how it turned out that way so it was originally i did four four books to start with it was uh, two novels and two novellas subsequent to that I just decided to slim that down so it's a couple of novellas. And also, I mean, I have different offers for different books. So you would have come in off the website, which um, yeah. it offers that particular bonus for people to sign up. And it's worked really well. You know, it, it, I don't see any reason to change that. It's always been successful. I've also, for The Cleaner, the first Milton book, I, I did some experimentation with a, an epilogue. So I we had uh, Lucy Score on, on our podcast a while ago, and she used a, a kind of an exclusive epilogue which is not necessary. You don't. You're not shortchanging the reader because it doesn't have anything, you know, incredibly important to the plot of the book that they've just finished. But it's a chance to to meet those characters again in the future. And she she went from some. I may get this slightly wrong, but she went from somewhere like five thousand um, subscribers to fifty thousand subscribers in six months using that as her as a giveaway now if you think about that it's it's not a novella it's much shorter than that you could probably mm. write an epilogue in an afternoon a thousand words two thousand words whatever and then you you know treat it professionally get it edited um maybe even get a, a little cover to put put on it as well and then try that so if you think about the the reader as they get to the end of of your book they're in a they're in a very if they've got to the end and you can you can be fairly confident that they they've enjoyed the read they're feeling quite well disposed towards you as an author and also more importantly perhaps to your characters and your story that they that they've just enjoyed so you want to offer them something that is really really tempting now it, it could be um another story with that character it could be another story that you have written as that author or it could be something that is connected to the characters and the story uh, which is what the epilogue is so I've I've done that for a bit. It hasn't been as successful as Lucy. So Lucy's doing that better than me. But it certainly added maybe a thousand new subscribers in a month or two just mm. just with that tactic. So it's it's definitely worth trying something like that. And do because I wrote Day of the Vikings to tie together 
two of my series. But what I realise now is that the word Vikings can be a uh, can split the crowd, you know. Yeah. So I'm thinking of changing that. The trouble is every blooming book has it in. So I'm going to have to update a lot of stuff, which is a pain. So I was really interested in your starter pack language, which a lot of other authors are now using. So you're not going to be offended if people... No, no, of course not. Everyone does it. (laughs) Exactly. But how uh, do you think you will, once you've got some more Atticus books, would you include, say, a Milton and an Atticus book in that sign up to try and move Mm. people across series? I'll tell you what I would do on on that. For for the Milton book, so if if, if it's the first in the series, I don't really want to give them Atticus at that point. I want them to, they've just read a Milton book. There are 16 other books, and I I make a lot of money if they go through and read all 16. So my aim at that point would be to give them something Milton-related, so I wouldn't want to kind of muddy the waters too much. Now, when they get to, say they get to book 16, by that stage, I know they're almost certainly on my mailing list by that point, and they they don't need any persuasion that they they're going to enjoy Milton. They've they've just got to the sixteenth book. They probably haven't just read the sixteenth without reading anything else. So by that at that stage, what might be worth trying is actually to cross sell them the Atticus series. So I could say you know at that maybe once they're a few books in, that might be the point to say that would you like to try Atticus, which you know I you know it's the same writer, the same style, but a, a different character that I think you'll enjoy. I'd, at that point, I think it would be sensible to cross-sell, but not before. Mm. And does that mean, because, okay, so now I didn't know you had different sign-ups per book, which makes sense, but does that mean your autoresponder series or your email sequences, however people like to call it, are they different? So do you have lots and lots of different sequences of emails or do you just funnel people into the same email sequence? It depends what the offer is. So if I've got, say, three different offers, so you know the two novellas that you got from the front page, uh, the epilogue for the cleaner, and maybe some, if I had an Atticus giveaway, then that one as well, then I would have three different sequences because obviously the, the you know the at the very least the delivery email has got to be different that's providing them with what they've just signed up to get mm. but you can run it doesn't necessarily matter if, if if say you've got you're giving away the novella for the first 10 books and of, of your website the source doesn't matter too much you can just put them all into that that one flow but things would change up if if you then start to introduce different um, offers that need different sequences but i think for me i've i've got maybe three or four different ones that run at the same time. Mm. No, that's definitely something I need to do. I was thinking about that as like, okay. Because it's funny, isn't it? As you uh, progress through your career, um, time just flies by and you suddenly realise that, like I've realised I've had the same offer for a number of years. And when I first introduced it, yeah, my list went from, you know, 4,000 to 15,000 or whatever quite quickly. And then the, the, the offer I don't know whether it gets stagnant or it just doesn't have the same effect anymore. Probably around then you started offering starter packs and then everyone started offering more books. <laughs> so, but I wonder, I know you've you've told people before, so people can start. I think the epilogue idea is a great idea. And for nonfiction, just so people listening, I still use um, my free author blueprint and you have uh, free stuff on self-publishing formula mm-hmm. as well, don't you? Yeah, so, we do. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, so I just urge people, actually, look, none of us have any issues with people signing up to our lists, and you're welcome to unsubscribe later on, but just to see what other people are doing. That's fine, isn't it? 
yeah that's it's not just fine it's really good advice um, i do that all the time so you know i i subscribe to lucy scores web uh, email because i want to see what she was doing and i'll do that all the time if i see an interesting author who who suddenly is doing something that i think is quite cool then i will you know i will sign up i'll subscribe i'll look at what they do and i'll try and work out a tweak that maybe will improve it a little bit for me or, or may, may make it something that is more natural for me to do so you can always learn i'm learning all the time from everybody mm. well and, and that's another question i have because i also learning all the time like you and i end up with lots of notes everywhere and i've tried evernote just doesn't work for me i've started a kind of massive scrivener file with everything how do you track everything you're doing per book I have an eidetic memory. No, I don't. I, I don't. I, I use Trello, actually. So we, we have uh, Trello we use for now and again, we'll use it for projects at SPF. I'll have a kind of a Trello um, board with, in theory, this it should work. You have a kind of a things to do that day or morning or, or even like kind of the five things you want to do that day. Then if you get through those five things, things to do in the afternoon, maybe things to do in the evening, maybe things to do next week. And I'll kind of slide those those things around and uh, you know do it that way because I'll, I'll often you know I'll, I'll have ideas when, I, when I'm walking the dog that's always been the place I get my best ideas and I'll just pick out the take the phone out and open Trello up and just note down I want to maybe I've listened to your podcast and, you, and you've said something that makes me think yep I need to do that and I'll then note down on Trello and I'll get back and I'll I'll, I'll you know get to it when I get back to the office so yeah it is horses for courses really depends you know mm. Evernote's never worked for me Trello works quite well so mm. you know yeah, exactly. And people listening, you just have to find your own way. There's certainly no single tool that works for everyone. Okay, let's get into advertising because I publish wide, as you know, many authors do. And I've certainly, I mean, and I've had a lot more sort of positive things happening with BookBub ads recently. But coming back mm -hmm. to Amazon ads for fiction, because again, nonfiction, our Amazon ads are great. They're fine because it's, it's, it's easy. But with fiction... I feel like with wide ebooks, we're competing against KU authors, and it's extremely hard because uh, KU readers are so used to basically getting books for free that you might have a price of six ninety nine on a book, but they don't have to pay six ninety nine. Whereas if I have a six ninety nine price, they would have to pay six ninety nine. So it's really hard to compete if you're wide with on amazon.com particularly so what are your recommendations for sort of amazon ads versus other paid ads for authors who publish wide so it is more difficult but it's it's not for the reasons i think you suspect um, if you you've got to look at amazon and think about it almost as two different stores so you've got people who are not in ku and people who are in ku or if you could even go a bit further, you could say people who are in KU or in prime reading, if your book's in prime reading, or people who only buy a la carte, so they only buy that 6 99 as you say. Now, the good news is both of those stores are gigantic. So the the, the paid store is huge, and KU is, is, I mean, KU is bigger than all of the other stores combined. So there are two very, very big and distinct marketplaces on Amazon. Now, the benefit if you are um, in KU is, is if you're running ads on Amazon, you're effectively getting twice as much bang for your buck because i can either sell a book to someone who only buys um it could, because they're not in a subscription program or i can get those reads from people who see it and want to read it by way of their subscription so for me therefore i can then afford to be more my budget can be a little higher than would be the case if i only had half of that market to go after but 
that that half of the market, the the a la carte side, is gigantic, and and you know people will still are still buying thousands and thousands and thousands of books every day through that part of the Amazon ecosystem. So the the you know you still have to. I think it's still necessary to advertise on Amazon, and increasingly so. But you just need to be a little bit more savvy when it comes to. The amount that you're prepared to bid, um, making sure that your ads are super relevant so that you have a better chance of winning the auction, making sure that the if you get copy that it's it's on point, that your covers are good, that the ads are professional, the whole thing looks great. And then when you get people over to your, they click and they go to your, your detail page where your book is being sold, then there's no reason there for them to decide that actually they don't want to buy the book that they've just clicked on. So you know, you will see that there'll be authors in in all of our genres. I know in my genre, L.T. Ryan um, from the U.S. Uh, is spending an absolute, an, an enormous amount of money uh, because he's everywhere. Um, mm, I've seen and, those ads. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's. There are a few authors who who do that. They're, they're spending tens of thousands of dollars um, every month on those ads. Now, I probably could compete with them if I wanted to, um, but I would rather. Still, I'm still spending a lot on those ads, but I would rather be slightly more of a sniper than that's kind of a blunderbuss approach. He's everywhere and, and not necessarily being particularly granular in how he's targeting his ads. I'm sure that's working for him because he's selling a lot of books and therefore he's spending a lot. But I think you, you don't need to, to have that enormous budget. You can be much more granular and targeted and, and just try to get those very relevant clicks rather than trying to get you know, everyone to click and then not necessarily buy when they get to the detail page. Mm. But then also, is it, I mean, like I've been having better, or come to read through in a minute, but with doing, say, Amazon Canada, Amazon Australia, Apple has been working very well with things like uh, BookBub ads mm-hmm. uh, are actually, you know, pretty good. And I did some, face, as you said, the ad spend um, has been down. So I was doing some more Facebook ads for fiction, which I haven't done for a while. And that seemed to go quite well, too. So if people are wide, is it a case of splitting our money across these different different platforms whereas i feel like a lot of ku authors are just spending all their ad money on amazon they probably are i mean i'm, I'm not like that I, mean, I, I i'm probably on facebook and amazon around about 50 50 most of the time and that will fluctuate depending on what i'm trying to do but yeah i mean if you're a wide author you, you, in some ways it's you know you have advantages that i don't have so you can you can get cheap clicks um, looking for kobo readers in canada um, where Kobo is a really big player, um, bigger than Amazon. So, and and because there are, there's less attention on those readers, you you might find your ad cost is is cheaper. For me, you know, I'm doing a lot of Facebook ads to Germany right now because Germany is a market that is is pretty hot. I've got six books out there right now, and it's you know those ads are cheap. Uh, they're converting well, and I'm 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 doing well in in that market, and that that could be the case. You know, you, you could be look at Australia. You could go for Australian readers who buy on Apple, Australian readers who buy on Kobo or Amazon, wherever you want, really. So you have you have a much wider um, array of targets to go after, whereas most of you know I can be geographically uh, varied, but not really in terms of, of storefront because I'm I'm not I don't have books on the other players right now. And then I did want to ask about price, but again, because um, free first in series is still great on Kobo and Apple, particularly because they're really good to easy to promote, and there's still opportunities for marketing and merchandising with that. But it's difficult on Amazon. And what I found is that read through, which you talk about a lot in terms of spend, um, is really hard to calculate with a free first in series on Amazon. Mm. So mm. if if we're doing free first in series. 
Uh, and someone like Lindsay Broker, for example, still uses free first in series as well. How, how can we figure out read through and value per customer? Is it just um, multiply it by a certain number or, you know, how do we do that? That's very difficult um, because you're not comparing apples with apples. You know, you, you've got someone who's, who, who lots of people who are downloading something just sometimes just because they, they see an offer, they download it, they may never read it. They may never read the book and then there will be no read through because they don't get to the end of that book and don't go into the next book. What I would do, there probably is a mathematical formula you could um, use to try and estimate what the read through is, but I'm not nearly clever enough to work that out. So what, <laughs> not me. What I, no, there are probably people who could help with that, but what I would do is probably think about starting your read through from book two mm. you know you will know what the sales of book two are and then you can calculate using the, the method that everyone is using calculate the read through from book two to book three and almost kind of you know forget book one because it's, it's not a, a, a fair comparison although you know you, you can if you, if you start from book two you could be fairly confident that you, there's a bit of value that you're not including um, through through book one so you're probably going to be underplaying what your read through is rather than overstating it which is is the safer way to do it in any event mm, that's interesting and then i also also been so i'm really thinking about pricing again pricing is something that i just decided on like a decade ago and now i'm really questioning things so at the moment i go from a um, free book one to a four dollar 99 book two and the rest of my full length are 4.99 and novellas are 2.99 us dollars so yeah. i mean are people is it have people changed these prices now i've heard from some people that 3.99 is a better price that 99 cents is entirely pointless what, what do you think mm -hmm. I think 99 cents is a bit pointless because you, you're not getting, it's not free. There is, there's friction in the event that there is something to pay, but, and you're only getting 35% of that. So for, you know, 33 cents, whatever it is you get, it's almost not worth it. So I would say either go free or what I do is in, in all the markets, I will, my first book will be available at the lowest I can get the 70%. So 299 and 199 in the US and UK. The next book, Book two in the Milton series is three ninety nine and two ninety nine, and then every other book after that, I think, um, is five ninety nine in the US, four ninety nine in the UK. That seems that's I've, I've been that like that for a good couple of years, and, and it's performing pretty well. I suspect I could probably add add a dollar and a pound onto all of those prices and not be maybe sell a little less, but probably make more because you're getting a bit more money. But I'm i you know it's easy to test that, but I'm I'm quite happy at the moment to be at that level and you know 4.99 5.99 people you know that they're, they're struggling with lots of things right now and i don't i don't really feel like it's the right time to be pushing prices up i'm, I'm quite happy to stick around that point mm, that's great and everyone listening i i really hope that you can tell from our conversation that you know you don't stop where you are you're always changing things and trying things out and what what mark's been talking about is you know exactly right and i'm really thinking about this stuff after you know over a decade of doing this i'm like okay i really need to revisit it so this has been super helpful another really helpful thing in a segue is that we have a webinar coming up to, but this time we've done lots of webinars over the over the years and they're all been great but this time you have a special guest presenter so tell us what we can expect on the webinar yeah this is going to be a very very good one so we obviously the um, ads for authors course is one of the courses that we do spf and we've had guest presenters on before doing bits and bobs that i might not be uh, as good as they they are doing and the two main parts of the course we've got facebook ads and amazon ads and i've done both of those until until this this next launch and the person i've got to do the amazon ads section is a, is a person called janet margot who i've known for 
probably about seven years now. And Janet has, all for the length of that time, has been in charge of Amazon. She's an Amazonian. She works for Amazon, uh, works in a di- different part of the business now. But um, f- until very recently, she ran the Amazon ads program for authors. So she, you know, I've, I've met her in Seattle. We've had lots of phone calls. She's given me lots of tips over the years. She, she knows if there is really no one who knows more about this than she does. So we we managed to get her to to present uh, this new course in the Ads Authors program. And it's really big, it's 18 modules, it's very detailed. I'll still be doing a bit and things like uh, keyword research and monitoring and things like that, that I'm, I'm pretty good at, but Janet will do most of it. And yeah, we, we've got Janet on, on, on the webinar. So she will be giving us six secrets um, and six tips that will enable us to improve our, our ads. I've seen her slides and I've already learned some stuff that I didn't know. So it will be, it's going to be great. It'll be, you, you'll be on the call. I will do a little bit. Janet will do most. And then we'll have, at the end, we'll have a Q&A where you can ask Janet about um, Amazon ads. You can ask me about Facebook ads and we'll all get drunk together. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really excited about this. Uh, I I definitely feel, I mean, we all, we're all learning all the time, but things are changing all the time. So I am I will be literally introducing you guys and then letting, letting it run. But um, for people listening, you can sign up at thecreativepen.com forward slash 11 June. So 1 1 June and links in the show notes as ever. So that has been great, Mark. Where can people find you and your books and the podcast and everything you do online? Okay, so just before I tell you that, the, the webinar, if you're interested in coming, uh, people who are listening, do sign up um, quickly. We, we have a thousand capacity on our GoToWebinar account, uh, and we advertise this to the SPF crowd, and we had over three and a half thousand people signing up within the first 24 hours. So <laughs> it, will, it, it will be full, I'm very confident, and, I, and we want to give you tons of value. So do sign up, and then, and then also on the, on the day, make sure you get there about 10 minutes early to make sure that you are actually in the room when we start. So with that, yeah, if you want to find out about the uh, the fiction, my, my writing, you can get me at markjdawson.com. If you're interest, interested in the um, SPF side of things, the podcast and the courses, you can find us at selfpublishingformula.com. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for your time, Mark. That was great. Pleasure as always. So I hope you found the interview with Mark useful. I certainly did. And uh, one of the most important things I think is stop thinking about how you are disadvantaged in some way. So if you're trying to use Amazon ads for fiction and you're not in KU and it all seems too hard, consider how you have an advantage. So for me, this was realizing that if I use BookBub ads and Facebook ads, they are a lot cheaper than Amazon ads per click. And I can target Kobo, Apple and Amazon for my wide books. So I'm really pretty happy about that. So my question this week for you is where do you have an advantage and how can you double down on that advantage and just ignore the thing that is uh, not working so well for you. So next week I'm talking about creativity, artificial intelligence and time off with Max Frenzel. I haven't been doing the futurist segment for a while since we're mostly navigating the present (laughs) right now Uh, but next week you can expect a dive back into that. So happy writing and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, 
you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time. Bye.